It's Something for Nothing, the Rush fan cast. Jerry and Steve with you as always. Jerry, how's it going? It's going great, Steve. How are you doing? I'm doing great. You know, I'm really loving the breakdowns we're doing of the live albums. I didn't think we'd talk about so many live albums, but I'm really loving it. Yeah. Was that a McDonald's slogan? I'm loving it. <laughs> I'm loving it. Yeah. Now it's our <laughs> slogan. Exactly. I stole it. You can find us on Twitter. We are at RushFanCast. Instagram, you can find us at TheRushCast. Email Jerry, TheRushCast at gmail.com. Let him know what live album you'd like us to do next. Follow or subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. And you know, Jerry, I wanted to mention, people who are on Spotify, even if they don't listen to us on Spotify, it'd be cool if they followed us because it helps. Yes. Helps our numbers, right? It does help our numbers because when, I mean, I'm not an expert on these things because I don't really pay attention to them. But if people like and and follow and comment, mm-hmm. then that that podcast gets recommended more often to other people. Right. So uh, we don't ask for money, but we do ask for likes and follows. So if you can follow us on Spotify, if you have an account, that'd be great. We would really appreciate it. The bass intro and outro, that is Lex. He's great, as usual. And Jared, I hope you have an email to get us started here. I do. This is from Dion a couple of weeks ago. I posted a picture that Dion sent. It was the one of the little Dalmatian statue next to the red fire hydrant that he found in his neighborhood. Oh, wow. Cool. Remember that was on our Instagram page? I don't know if I saw that one, but I'll go back and look. Okay. Well, this is from him. He says, I was around 12 years old when I first heard 2112. I had a cousin whose name I don't even remember who turned me on to Rush. (laughs) What? He doesn't remember his cousin's name? Couldn't he ask his mom? (laughs) He's like, yeah. Hey, hey, mom, remember that? Cousin who turned me on to 2112, I'm sure she would know. (laughs) He was probably stoned when he dropped the needle onto the vinyl that emitted a swirling astral phenomenon that didn't even realize he was changing the mind of his young cousin for the better. I just remember hearing the onslaught of rhythm and layers that led to a religious snippet of Psalms. It was just awesome. A few years later, like Steve and the others of that era, I took advantage of the penny and had a bundle of albums dropped off at my mailbox. I got Rush moving pictures, the plasmatics, Billy Squire, the clash, and a few others. I was familiar with Tom Sawyer on the radio. That was about it for my familiarity of rush at that point. But my best friend had hemispheres and a farewell to Kings on vinyl. So often I would spend the night at his house and listen to his family stereo with headphones on and get mesmerized by rush as often as I could. I would borrow his clothes at times when I would spend the night at his house and always gravitated to a 1977, a farewell to Kings concert t-shirt he had. I saved up a few bucks and went to a flea market called Rock Around the Clock and looked for anything Rush. I bought the compilation Archives album on vinyl, and I wish I still had it. Although I listened to the likes of Judas Priest and Kiss, my taste and appreciation for music was changing. I lived in San Antonio at the time, and a local station that was on par with WMMS in Cleveland promoting bands like Rush was Kiss FM. They had a DJ named Joe the Godfather, Anthony, that would play Rush and bands like Triumph, Moxie, and Budgie. My first concert seeing Rush was in April of 1981. Another friend of mine and I took the city bus from the mall in the suburbs to downtown San Antonio and got there really early to just be there and check out what would be going on. At this point in my Rush life, I didn't even know the individual names of the band members, but I could recognize their faces. After walking around the arena and thinking we were wasting our time, we found ourselves behind the facility at the loading entrance of the venue. What timing? I remember a coach bus of sorts, similar to a Winnebago, pulled up and parked within 20 feet of where we were standing. My friend and I seemed to have the moment all to ourselves 
and we were about to meet the band as far as I could tell. Nobody else was there. Then, out of nowhere, a bunch of long-haired, denim-wearing rock hoodlums appeared, and in a mob frenzy, pushed me and my friend further and further back to the end of the line that was starting to form. The bus doors opened, and I now recognized the man that stepped off first and started to instruct the mob to line up in an orderly manner for autographs. It was Howard Ungerleader. I was on my tiptoes, peering over guys, trying to see the bus when Getty and Alex got off and started talking to Howard. Here's the cool part that shows the true character of the band. Getty pointed to me and my friend and told Howard to have us move up to the front of the line. I only got a single autograph from Getty. He wrote his name on the only piece of parchment I had on me, my school library card. The name Getty in red on my green, on my green library card was a treasure, and it looked just how he has it scribbled on his jazz bass. I have only seen Rush four times, moving pictures in San Antonio, Vapor Trails in the Woodlands, Texas, Time Machine, Kansas City, Missouri, and Clockwork Angels in St. Louis, Missouri. I've had the pleasure of sharing all but the first concert with my son, who loves Rush as much as I do. Side note, when we went to the Starlight Theater in Kansas City, we stayed a bit on the outskirts of town at a Ramada Inn, and lo and behold, parked at an awkward distance from the hotel was a pair of of BMW RT bikes with panniers on the side. One was red. That show was only the second of that tour, and they had over a month off, according to the concert history. Maybe enough time to actually stay the night in a hotel before riding off in the morning. I would like to think Neil and I frequented the same hotel that evening. I wish I could have shared a red apple and a Macallan with him, even though I don't drink or smoke. Well, keep up the good work, and remember, plus le change, plus c'est la même change. Sincerely, Dion. Wow, thanks, Dion, for that email. I really appreciate it. So many things in that email jumped out at me. I don't even know how, how to even start. First, he started talking about Steve. I'm like, who's, who's Steve? And it was me. <laughs> it's you. <laughs> the flea market, rock around the clock flea market. I want to go to that flea market. Yeah, there was a flea market not too far from me when I was growing up that had rock stuff too. That was always awesome. I think I got a, a Rush Velcro wallet there. Hmm. I would like to check that out. I guess it doesn't exist anymore. It does not. Uh, he mentioned the band Budgie, who Martin Popoff always mentions, and I never listened to Budgie to see if they're any good. Never listened to them either. I would like to check them out now. I have to check out Budgie. I'll write that down for next time. <laughs> and the fourth thing is, do you think he still has the library card, and did he send you a picture? He didn't send me a picture of the library card. It, it was in the past tense, so I'm assuming he lost it somewhere along the oh. way. Yeah. But I like the fact that Getty and Alex must have seen them standing there by themselves and seeing the, the hoodlums come and pushed them out of the way and said, no, these guys were here first. That's awesome. Yeah, that's very cool. How old did he say they were at the time? I, I forget that part. I think he said 12. Oh, yeah. So they saw the little kids getting pushed out of the way and said, hey, these kids are up front. Right. Front and center. That's awesome. So today, Jar, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about a, yet another Rush live album. And this one is a little bit different because it didn't get a regular sort of release. Grace Under Pressure Tour Live, originally released March 28th, 1986 on VHS and Betamax. <laughs> right. Did you have the Betamax? No, but I did. Uh, I think I had the VHS at one time. I don't know what happened to it. I've, I've seen this a lot, of, a lot. So I actually still have the VHS tape, believe it or not. Wow. Do you still have a VHS player? I do not. So hmm. I, I can't play it, but I have it and I just can't bring myself to get rid of it or throw in the used bin <laughs> also released on laser disc in 1988 laser disc laser all oh three God. the vhs the betamax and the laser disc you guessed it are out of print of course of course 
And the LaserDisc includes the Big Money video. So if you have the LaserDisc and a LaserDisc player, you can see the Big Money video too. I can't imagine anyone has either of those things. I bet you our listeners are going to send us pictures. I bet you. Those LaserDiscs were so expensive. Oh, yeah. And the LaserDisc players? Holy moly. Wasn't there a store near us that only sold LaserDiscs? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Um, was it called Planned Obsolescence? What kind of store would only sell LaserDiscs? You knew right off the bat those things weren't going to last. Well, the store didn't last very long. But if it took off, it they would have been ahead of the curve, right? Right. The DVD version was released in 2006 as part of the DVD box set Replay Times 3, which I actually own also. Wow. Also included a CD version of the show, which I'm going to rip the files off and play on this podcast. I have the CD. Nice. Pretty cool. And the standalone CD, which I wasn't aware of, was released in 2009. So you can just buy this on CD only. Right. I'm, I'm not sure if that's out of print or not. The album's also on Spotify. So as we were talking about Spotify before, if you have an account, you can listen to it there. Yeah. The show was filmed and recorded September 21st, 1984 at Maple Leaf Gardens in Toronto, mixed by Mike Frazier. He mixed the entire replay times three DVD set along with Alex Lifeson. Oh, really? Mike also mixed a show of hands, the Clockwork Angels DVD that was in 5.1 surround sound. Mike also did that. Nice. The only thing left to do, Jar, is listen to it. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Let's start with track one. It is the intro, the Three Stooges intro. Now, if I'm not mistaken, Steve, when we saw them for the first time, they also had the Three Stooges intro. Yes. And it always just built the anticipation. And it's just hilarious to me that that's, <laughs> that's how they decide to open up a show. Well, it's, it's self-deprecating and it's so rush, right? Right. Three blind mice. And just the sound of the crowd going crazy when it starts. Yeah. Just the anticipation of Rush is going to be on stage, you know, and 60 seconds or whatever it is, people are just going bananas. Yeah, people are going bananas. Anything else to say about this, Jar, other than it's, uh, it's cool? The intro, no. All right, let's move on to track two, The Spirit of Radio. get into the spirit of radio jer what are your thoughts on the overall sound of this album versus the other live albums we've listened to that's interesting it has a different sound than the other ones it doesn't i don't know maybe because it wasn't released as one of like the every four album live albums it doesn't mm -hmm. have that same kind of quality as the other albums does it no do you think it's because it was released on video only first 
Yeah. You were seeing the video while you were listening to it. So the focus isn't solely on the audio. It's on the video as well. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. That's possible. Yeah. Yeah. To me, this is firmly in 1984. You know, I mean, I know it was recorded in 1984, but to me, it sounds a little better than exit stage left. I know you'll probably disagree, but not as good as a show of hands. So it would make sense that that's the case, you know, as Rush's live albums progressed, the recordings were better. The mixing was better. All that stuff was better. You mean like sonically? It's just sonically. I totally agree with that. No, Exit Stage Left to me is a better show than this. Yeah. But the sound quality of the recording, I think, is a little better on this one. Just my opinion. I uh, know. I agree, Steve. I always agree with you. Do you? You shouldn't. Yeah. Would make for a better podcast if you if we <laughs> argued all the time. Would it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's a tiny bit faster than the studio version, don't you think? It is. Um, the one thing I love about so many Rush songs is that it, it, you can put them anywhere in a set list. Have you noticed that? Oh, totally. You could start off a set list with the Spirit of Radio. You could end a set list with the Spirit of Radio. You could throw it in the middle of a set list. I mean, these songs just are so good. And you know that if they play the Spirit of Radio first, there's still 10 other songs yeah. that they could play last. Right. And you'd still be as satisfied. So many other bands, you know what they're going to play last. Uh, they're going to right. end with Freebird. It's going to happen, you know? They're ending, yeah, they're ending with Satisfaction. Right. There's just no way they're not. Right. And even the Rolling Stones, as great as the Stones are. Yeah. You got to end with Satisfaction, right? You have to end with that. I don't know why that is. It's just an expectation, I think, from the crowd that you want to end on the highest note possible. But with Rush, there are so many high notes. You can end on yeah. a dozen songs and it would still be the, the highlight of the show. I wrote down, this is a killer set opener, but so are 20 other songs. Yeah, exactly. Like Dreamline was a killer set opener when they opened with that, right? Right, exactly. Alex Solo is ripping as usual. We talked yeah. about Alex's solos a couple of weeks ago. Alex really brought this one to the forefront in the mix. Yeah, and it's so cool because I think this is around the time he was really starting to get into um, using uh, Strats instead of you know Gibsons. Mm-hmm. And his, the solo is still the solo of this song, but it's just so, so bendy. Yeah. So it's so Stratocaster sounding. And another thing I noticed as the album progressed, this is a normal thing at a concert. The first song doesn't sound quite as great as the rest of the album sonically, only because it's the first song. You know, the guys behind the board are mixing, trying to get the sound perfect. And they're making adjustments as they go along. And usually the first song is just a little teeny bit off. I didn't notice that. For me, it is. I'm sure you're right. Yeah. I, I'm not sure I'm right, but. Well, I know that whenever we go to concerts and it's like SRO or something, you, you always want to stand near the mixing board. Right. Because they're going to mix it to the perfect sound where they're standing. Right. That's what you do. I think I'm, I think I'm a little more deaf than you are in, in certain <laughs> Certain frequencies, so I don't really notice that as much anymore. Could be. That could be the reason. All right, let's move on to track three on Grace Under Pressure Live. It is The Enemy Within. I'm giving in. I'm not missing out. I'm not giving up on impossible dreams. Experience to extremes. I'm not giving in to security under pressure. I'm not missing out on the promise of a picture. I'm not giving up on impossible 
if I'm not mistaken, Jared, this is the only version of The Enemy Within that is on an official live Rush release. Am I wrong there? I don't think so. <laughs> you don't think I'm wrong? <laughs> I don't think you're wrong. It does not necessarily mean you're not, though. <laughs> Someone will tell us if you are. But yeah, I, I looked around to, to see. I didn't see another one. And Getty's bass is the standout here and Alex's riffs. I mean, this is just an amazing version of The Enemy Within for me. It is. Before we started recording, I was talking a little bit about like pulling stems from MP3s, you know, mm -hmm. individual uh, tracks. It's a thing now, I guess. I couldn't really find a, web a website that, that did it very well or an app that did it very well. Like the isolated bass from the live Enemy Within, something like that? Right. Because I wanted to pull out some of Neil's hi-hat work on mm -hmm. this song. Especially the difference in the pattern that he uses between the first verse and the second verse. It's really one of the more astounding things where he, that the pattern is completely, it just sounds so different. And it's just not an accent that you would hear a, a normal drummer <laughs> put into a song. Beans crawl in the darkness, mad imagination spin. Okay, so what you heard there was verse one, and here is verse two. He's just amazing. And this is part one of fear. And I have to admit, when I was listening to this for the first time in a long time, I didn't realize they were doing the fear trilogy until they played witch hunt. And I said, wait a minute, <laughs> they did it. They did fear. How cool is that? It's very cool. It's very cool. It's the only time they did fear was on the grace under pressure tour. And it makes sense. It really fits in with the theme of grace under pressure perfectly. Don't you think? Yeah, I think so. And I, we've said this before when we were talking about the, the individual songs. Having like three different parts to a, to a song cycle, song mm -hmm. concept on three different albums, three albums in a row, is just one of the more amazing things I've ever even heard of. You know what I mean? Like trying to come up with this concept, but then executing it on three different albums. It's just astounding. And doing it backwards, you know? <laughs> doing it backwards. I mean, come on. <laughs> that is so cool. But then playing it in numerical order when you play it. Right. Playing it in the right <laughs> order. And playing it on the Grace Under Pressure Tour. This is part one, which you've been waiting for. Right. And the jam at the end is just great. Oh, the jams. No Alex solo, though. Nope. Which is fine. Wasn't needed, right? No, I don't think so. And there's no fade here like there is on the record. It ends cold. Well, you, how, you can't fade live. I, gu I guess, right. But yeah, I just wonder if they thought about just going right into the weapon somehow, you know, just melding the songs together. Right. Which they didn't do, but maybe it's not possible. Maybe it's not possible, which is maybe why they did the little intro for the weapon. Right, right. Which we're going to get to in moments. This song was last played November 27th, 1987. According to setlist.fm, 
Okay. In Charlotte, North Carolina. And it was the only time, according to setlist.fm, that the song was played on the Hold Your Fire tour. Wow. I have a hard time believing that that's true. That is weird. Right? I mean, I don't know, I don't know how accurate setlist.fm is because it's, it's just people like you and me posting the set lists. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say is who is contributing to setlist.fm? It's like the Wikipedia of setlist websites, right? <laughs> yeah, Wikipedia. But Wikipedia has like, you know, dedicated admins and stuff like that who scour these, these articles. And right. they're still, some of them are still wrong. So what's going on with Setlist FM? Well, I don't know. It could be right. I would like some of our listeners who were at that Charlotte show in 1987 to tell us if they ended the set, ended the whole set with The Enemy Within, which is what it says on Setlist.fm. Yeah, that's bizarre. The final song in the whole show, the final encore was The Enemy Within, which seems weird. It does seem weird. I don't know. Maybe on the, that particular show, they just felt like playing it and stuck it at the end. It's possible. Yeah, maybe. Someone someone knows, Steve. Someone will let us know. In the hive mind out there <laughs> in podcast land. Let's move on to track four of Grace Under Pressure Live. It is the aforementioned The Weapon. You got nothing to fear but fear itself. Not pain, not failure, not fatal tragedy. Not the fault the units in this mad machinery. The broken conduct in emotional chemistry Like I am this, in a velvet glove We are sheltered under the gun In the glory game on the battle train My kingdoms will be done And the things that we So, Jared, this is part two of Fear, and the intro, Count Floyd. Count Floyd. <laughs> so funny. And I'm here tonight to introduce a very special song to you. It's a scary song, one of the scariest I've ever heard. Even the title scares me. It's called The Weapon. So great. Joe Flattery from SCTV. Right, and American fans may know him from the movie Happy Gilmore. And he was also on Freaks and Geeks. I'm not sure who he played on Freaks and Geeks, but I do remember him on that show. It was funny. I don't remember him on that show, though. I saw it so long ago. I don't, I remember him, but I don't remember who he played. Somebody's dad, I think. It's funny because he says, first of all, one of the things they do is audience members have 3D glasses. Which is hilarious. Which is hilarious. And then he says something like, if you don't put your 3D glasses on, you're going to see things in one half D, <laughs> which doesn't make a lot of sense. Because if you, if you take a three and divide it by two, it's one and a half. So it should be like one and a half D. <laughs> right? Instead of one half D, I don't even know the fraction that would be. But I would like to know, since we're asking people in the audience to, do, to help us out this episode, if anybody was at this show and still has their 3D glasses. Oh, wow. I don't think that they handed out 3D glasses at every show. I bet you Ray Warzniak has a set of 3D glasses from this tour. I should have asked him. You should have asked him. You should have done your research, Jer. Oh, I'm the worst, man. <laughs> Again, this is the only version of the weapon on an official live release as far as I could see. Right. And this is so good, Jer. Neil's drumming is just off the charts on this song. This is a fantastic version, especially there's the extended like musical break guitar solo part mm -hmm. or like you know before it really kind of gets into the guitar solo like the guitar solo doesn't really have a definite beginning do you know what i mean right 
it just kind of ratchets up. And I don't know, Alex and Neil together for some reason, the two of them are going bonkers during that part. Mm -hmm. And Max Mobley picked this as one of his top five favorite solos yes. of all Rush time. Right. And I could see why. I agree. Because, you know, I hadn't thought about the live albums. Yeah. I was like you on that episode. And yeah, he's 100% right. This is a great, great moment. And so well mixed by Alex. You can hear everything so clearly. Yeah, absolutely. And another coldish ending here, moving into Witch Hunt. Which again, I don't know if they could have melded the two songs together, but they didn't. I don't know. I kind of, I, I like the anticipation between the, the little chapters here. Yeah. Are they going to play Witch Hunt now? Are they going right. to play part three of Fear? Will they do it? Right. I remember hearing a story once about Pearl Jam, where they started off the concert with the first song from 10. Mm -hmm. And then they played the second song. Oh, and then they played the third song and everybody just started going banana. They played the whole album in a row. They're going to play 10. They played it in a row for some reason for this random concert. But people were like, wow, are they really going to play the whole thing? And they did. And they did. So wow. I can imagine that it must have been like that. Like, oh my God, are they going to play Witch Hunt next? You know, that's the one thing about Rush is they never did anything like that because their lighting show was so meticulously planned by Howard. Yeah. That I don't think they could just wing it, you know? They could switch some songs out here and there, right? but to just willy-nilly just play Signals in its entirety at some random show, that wasn't happening. <laughs> yeah, that's never going to happen. But you know, the thing also that I love, everybody loves about Rush, is that they would do something like this. You know, this isn't really like a, like a gimmick to do. They play these three songs because they finally finished the third song. Mm -hmm. They played them in a row, and then they just never played them again in a row. It never became like part of the show. It's just something that happened at on this tour, which is mm -hmm. the reason why I think we all go to concerts, right? It's to see something that we'll never see again. Yeah. It was last played December 5th, 1985, this particular song, The Weapon, in Providence, Rhode Island, on the Power Windows warm-up tour. Wow. So when they were doing the Power Windows warm-up tour, they, they continued to play Fear, and then that was that. Yeah. Yeah. They did play Witch Hunt quite a bit later. Yes. But the other two songs... We never saw them do the weapon, Jer, or the enemy within. I know. Our loss. A huge loss. Which brings us to track five on Grace Under Pressure Live, and that is Witch Hunt. Now, this song is scary. I know Count Floyd said that, scary. <laughs> that the weapon was scary, the scariest song he's ever heard. Alex, at the beginning of this song, you know, makes me want to hide behind a tree or something. It is scary. Yeah. Every time they did Witch Hunt, every time we saw them do Witch Hunt, it was just phenomenal. Yeah. This is definitely a mood. I don't know how you could set a mood for an arena full of eighteen or 20,000 people. But holy moly, man, I can only imagine what it was like being there. Because his guitar is just so, mm, I don't know what it is, man. It's so Halloween, you know? Well, the thing I was going to mention is Alex's guitar, to me, has a very grace under pressure tone to it. Now, this song was released, what, four years earlier? Yeah. 
but he kind of brought that grace under pressure feel to the song on this tour, which, which makes sense, right? Well, that's what I was trying to get at when we were talking about Spirit of Radio. He brought his current guitar sensibilities to mm-hmm. the solo, to an older solo. Right. Which again is like perfect because that's what you want to hear when you go see a show. You want to hear where the people are right there. I love hearing different versions of older songs. I know some people like to go to the concert and like hear the song. Right. I'd much prefer something that sounds a little different like this does. But to me, this, this entire set just screams grace under pressure. Yeah, absolutely. Which is amazing. It is. It really was the perfect tour, as I said earlier, to do the Fear Trilogy, you know, since Grace Under Pressure is such a dark album. I wonder if they could have done it again on the Vapor Trails tour after Freeze was released, and they could have done four. What do you think? Um, maybe. I don't really think that, uh, that Freeze has the same, at least in my mind, Freeze doesn't have the same, doesn't occupy the same kind of space in my head as the first three parts. Right. It's just, it wasn't something that I was thinking of. Do you know what I mean? I mean, not that I was around when I wasn't a, a Rush fan when Grace Under Pressure came out, but I remember seeing the albums and being like, oh, this is part three, this is part two, this is part one. I wasn't looking for another part and it just doesn't occupy the same kind of right. headspace. But if they did, we would have got to see it. Yeah. Well, yeah, that would have been amazing. Now that's, <laughs> that's the reason I wanted it to happen. Right. I just wanted to point out Getty's vocals on this are just so hauntingly beautiful. I mean, right. He was killing it this night. Can I read you something, Steve? Please. I hope it's a bedtime story. I was just going to say it is a short (laughs) bedtime story to ease you off to slumberland. No, it's from the great book, uh, wandering the face of the earth. Oh, great. So in wandering the face of the earth, the concerts before this, on September 15th and September 18th, the notes say that Getty was suffering from the flu. Wow. So he was still sick. They were calling it the French flu. I'm not sure why if that was a joke huh. or something like that. So it says uh, for these two homecoming gigs, which is the 21st and the 22nd, Getty was in great performance form despite his ongoing battle with the French flu. So again, just like with A Farewell to Kings, he was sick Wow! during this show. I wonder if the fact that he was sick did something to his voice and just made it that much better for some reason, a little deeper, a little more resonant maybe. I don't know, but just like that, that other show, he sounds fantastic huh. for being someone who's, who has the flu. It's just, um, just amazing. I can't, usually when I get a cold or something like that, I, I sound like I'm you know, gargling gravel. Yeah, I've got a cold right now. I sound a little deeper, I guess, too, right? I, I guess that happens. Do you think you could sing for two hours? I don't think I could sing for five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Under normal circumstances. Under normal circumstances, right. Let's move on to track six, Jar. It is one of your favorites, New World Man. He's got to make his own mistakes. I really wanted to be critical of this album, Jeff, for some reason. I don't know why, because we're just always so not critical of Rush, but Mm. I can't do it. This album is so freaking good. It is good. This is a great version of New World Man. Yeah. It's it's very very upbeat, even by New World Man standards, which is an upbeat song. 
They didn't do New World Man a lot when we saw them. We saw them do it a few times, but not a lot. They pulled it out every once in a while, but wasn't a right. staple like their other hits, so to speak, right? Right, which is you know just a testament to the deep catalog because they could easily pull this out every, every tour and I would have been happy with it. Yeah, this could have been their satisfaction. Right, exactly. But it wasn't even close. <laughs> it didn't even make the cut. Right. Most times. Yeah. I think what makes this version so fun for me is that Getty throws in a lot of like, oh yes and oh man, but you know what someone's into it when they're yelling that in the middle of the song. I love that. And his bass just drives this song like it always does, but yeah, it's just great. And I, I was just thinking if I was at this show and they played this, I would have just went ape shit. Yeah, I know. And as we'll discover later, this wasn't even the entire set list, this CD. Correct. I'm going to read the whole set list later. I was planning on it, Jer. I know you were. That's why I said that. Again, no Alex solo on this song, but again, not needed. Yeah. It's just one of those things that sounds so good. Amazing. Track seven is Distant Early Warning. different thing about this song jerry is the, is the intro right yeah the intro definitely very witch hunt like yeah you know i for some reason i didn't i didn't want to go back and watch the videos of this i wanted to just listen to the cd so i don't know what's ha- what did you watch the video or any clips on youtube to see what's happening i have watched it but not recently and like you i decided not to watch it just to listen to it because we're talking about the audio here I do want to go back and watch. That's for sure. We have to, we should get together and watch it. Right. I think I still have a VCR somewhere. I don't know why I would, but I think I do. No, I have the DVD. It's in the replay times three. Oh yeah. You did say that, didn't you? I've got the DVD. (laughs) We don't even need to dig out a VHS machine. That was like 10 minutes ago, Steve. I forgot already. (laughs) Now fans were already in love with this song because Grace Under Pressure had been out for a little while. Yeah. And they go crazy. They go crazy. And we've said, I've said this before, but new material yep. from an older band yep. really does not get the kind of love that this song gets <laughs> in this tour. What I wrote down here was, unlike other bands, you want to hear the new songs, right? Yeah. And this is an amazing version of this song, man. Yeah. Woof. It's got so much behind it. Alex put the synthesizers right in the forefront of the mix, and it's amazing. Right. And his solo. Oh, it's so squeaky. I don't know any other way to describe it. Not that that's a bad sound. It's just the sounds he's getting out of that, that thing during the solo. Man, again, like this is the Alex show. Yep. And we've talked about this before. If you took his solo and just, if I just played you that solo isolated, you would say, just an early warning. What other guitars can you do that with? Yeah. Right? There are no generic solos. We talked about that with, yeah. with Max. Right. No generic solos. Yeah. If I played you an Eddie Van Halen solo, you wouldn't be able to tell me what song it was on. Right? Most of the time. Probably not. You're probably right. 
We should try that. That's a good. Yeah, this would be a good test. We should do it. On, <laughs> should we do a podcast test. where I just play you random <laughs> solos and see if you can? And guess? I got to figure out what song it is. Oh man, that would be cool. I mean, you'll get all the rush ones right, though. I would get all the rush ones right, wouldn't I? And you probably get all the other ones wrong. Maybe if I could remember the names of the songs. I mean, if I played you Eruption, okay, you would get that. But well, that's just a solo, though. That's not a song. Right. If I played you the <laughs> solo from Drop Dead Legs, do you know what that is? No, you even I don't know what know that song solo. is. <laughs> I do, of course, know that song. <laughs> I don't remember the solo from it, though. Right. But I could ask you to hum the distant early warning solo right now, and you'd be able to do it. I would. You want to do it? I would be able to do it. I'm not. No, I'm not going to. <laughs> Two things I'm really not good at: humming and whistling. You don't want to hear me do either of those to any kind of tune. All right. Well, the next song we can whistle to, Jar, if we like to, is <laughs> Red Sector A. Whistling just doesn't come to mind when I hear this song, now that I think of it. No. So I don't remember, I told you, I told a story once, well, not once, when we were talking about Grace Under Pressure and mm-hmm. this song in particular, there's a line, you know, for my father and my brother, it's too late, but I must help my mother stand up straight. Right. And my mom was in the room when I was watching this video. Oh, wow. You did tell that story. <laughs> when she just piped up out of nowhere. She wasn't really paying any attention, I don't think. She just piped up out of nowhere. She's like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> I was like, nah, maybe you should listen to the rest of the song before you start saying how nice it is. Uh, at the beginning of this song, Getty says, we'd like to do another Red song for you. And on this record, we haven't heard a Red song yet, so right. they clearly cut some, cut some songs out. <laughs> they did play Red Barchetta shortly before this. Right. And they'll play another Red song later, which also isn't on this record. Right. So it's a little continuity error, I suppose we could call it. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, I think fans realize that this is not the entire show. It's, what, only 14 songs, right? Right. But, you know, just like the studio version, this song is so emotional, and it really comes across in Getty's voice, even if he is sick. And Alex's solo on this song is another one you recognize immediately, and it's just incredible. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's just the power behind the the part of the song before the chorus starts you know down 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 down, that part yeah it's like being punched in the face it's amazing if we said it once we've said it a thousand times every time rush played a song they improved it yeah every time was the best time it's been played yeah it's just amazing and speaking of songs that were played a lot on tour this next track is one of them jerry closer to the heart Closer to the heart. 
Now, I love Closer to the Heart, Jared. You know. I know you do. You know I love this song. But why is it on every single live release? It seems like it's on every single one. Not that it's not great every single time, but if they were going to cut some songs out, couldn't they have maybe cut out Closer to the Heart as much as I love it? Yeah, I don't know what. Maybe it's the the uh, the sing-along quality. Yeah, I think that's what that's what I wrote down. It's got to be the the sing-along thing. It's just so cool. It is very cool. I ask this every time we hear a live closer to the heart. Is it better than Exit Stage Left? That's your favorite. I don't know. I'm not sure if it is. That one just is, you know, in my memory is is such a classic recording. As always, I'm partial to a show of hands for some reason. That version of Closer to the Heart just speaks to me. Right. And the usual killer Alex Solo here. I mean. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And I like the, the newer ending. Or less, you know, not the newer ending, but the different kind mm-hmm. of ending. Because we saw them do this a few times, and they had a, a different kind of like send off at the end. So this right. one is different for me going back and listening to it. But the thing that is so interesting to me is that the clapping from the crowd is so off <laughs> on this part, so off. I don't know. Usually, when people are clapping in, in such a large group, it eventually finds the beat. I don't think it ever finds the beat at the end of this. They're so off. It's amazing. It's all that Labatt's they're drinking, Jer. <laughs> that's, what, that's what it is. That's what it is. All right, so let's move on to track 10, Jer. It's a good one. It's a medley. YYZ, Temples of Syrinx, and Tom Sawyer. <laughs> Of course, YYZ was always great to see live, and this is another great rendition. Great rendition. No solo in it, though. Nope. Nope. They skipped the ending and go right into Temples. Right. Which was interesting to me. Very interesting. But not not bad. Just interesting. It is. Yeah. It's a good version. It's just that usually I'm used to hearing, I don't know, in my head sometimes when I'm even listening to the, to the um, studio version, I'm hearing a solo come in at that part. Right, and you also don't hear Temples of Syrinx without Overture, right? Which is what they do here. That's true. Right? Yeah. This has to be the only tour they did that. Yeah, maybe. It doesn't have to be, but I think it is. Speaking of temples, I got an email from our pal Chris. Okay. About when the crowd started going, hey. Oh, you asked that a couple of weeks ago. Right. He said, this is a very short email. As for the hey in 2112, if someone hasn't already answered this already, they started dropping that one chord as early as the Power Windows tour. And the hey was something that just kind of organically spread throughout the crowd. Getty and Alex would usually throw their hand up or something. And the shout probably grew from there. There you go. Thanks, Chris. Cool. 
I knew someone would know. I knew it. Somebody always knows, Steve. And I love how they transition into Tom Sawyer here and they play Tom Sawyer in its entirety, which yeah, the whole thing. Of course they have to, right? They have, yeah, of course. on tom sawyer here jerry oh i just it's just such a solid version it's just such an incredible solid version especially the beginning of the solo mm-hmm. you know the section that getty's bass sounds popping the whole thing is just a great great version and the total time for this medley nine minutes and 42 seconds mm. of pure bliss <laughs> pure medley <laughs> bliss now for the next track jerry we're on to the encore Okay. Yep. Track 11 is Vital Signs. Just like Closer to the Heart, I love the opening with the fans clapping along with the synthesizer. And I think they've, they're in the beat this time, I think. They are on the beat this time. It's a, that's what I wrote down. The crowd is into it and on time, I said. Just a coincidence, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, speaking of the, the, the keyboard, that is like the glue of this song. I don't think I ever really noticed that on the recording. Oh, yeah. I was, I was going to say the mix was just astounding here. That little keyboard riff or whatever it is just keeps that mm-hmm. whole song stuck together it's it's pretty cool and again like i mentioned before alex's guitar sound it's got that grace under pressure sound to it yeah and it, it just brings this song into the grace under pressure mode you know and it's so yeah. great and i like the fact that you could tell that the band really likes this song even though we were talking about i guess when we talked about moving pictures how this song was thought to be a little too experimental for right. the band, even at the time. But they brought it back, so they like it. They don't think it's too experimental. I think it grew on them. I really do. I think they weren't sure how it was going to go over, and it went over big. Yeah, definitely. And they just embraced it and ran with it, I think. Yeah, just a great, great version of this song. Yeah, and the bridge to me is just a little slightly more subdued than the studio version going into the chorus with the crunchy guitars, you know, right after that, that rush moment that I always talk about in this song. Yep. Just amazing. And, you know, the solo section is kind of just Getty, right? Yeah. And his bass sound is incredible. Yeah, absolutely. So cool, man. So cool. Makes me long for a Rush concert. We were lucky enough to see them do Vital Signs quite a few times, especially uh, the tour where they did 
moving pictures in its entirety. I mean, this was just yeah, amazing. It was. All right, we've got one more track, Jar, on this CD. Another medley, Finding My Way and In the Mood. So at the beginning here, Neil is thundering away on those drums. Yeah. Like we always say, I mean, he basically took these, these songs from the first album and made them his own and amazing. Yeah. Especially at the beginning of In the Mood, he is just, oh man, those drums sound so deep. <laughs> yep. So I have a, a trivia question for you, Jer. Oh God. Did we ever see Rush perform Finding My Way live? Yes or no? 50-50 shot. Oh, God. Hmm. I'm rubbing my temple with my pencil. <laughs> we ever... I should know this, of course, but... You should. As evidenced already twice, I think, my memory fails me at every turn. I'm going to say that we did. Yes, we did. We did not. <laughs> Finding my way, again, according to setlist.fm, was last played... March 15th, 1985, Pembroke Pines, Florida, a year prior to our first Rush show, Jer. What kind of Rush fan am I, Steve? I didn't know either. I wasn't sure. I had to look. I said, you know what? I don't think we did, but I got to check. My standing in in the Rush fan community has just taken another significant kick to the head. Maybe you saw it in a dream, Jer. It's possible. It's possible. It's true. It's true. But this this is just a fantastic way to end a show, and Rush just kills it here. I mean, all I can say is go back and listen to it. I mean, it's it's a great, great show that I think a lot of people missed. You know, they just, you yeah. know, if you don't have that replay three times, whatever it's called, or you didn't have the video, I mean, a lot of young Rush fans didn't have that VHS tape, right? Yeah, you whippersnappers, you, <laughs> you youngins. Uh, you know, what's funny too, is it, um, in the mood, Getty, instead of saying, Hey baby, it's quarter to eight. He says, Hey booby, it's a quarter to eight. That's funny. That's funny. Yeah. Getty's amazing. He's amazing. So where does this live album rank for you, Jer? That's a hard one, man. It's funny. Um, our friend Ryan Reed on ultimate classic rock ranked the live albums. He didn't rank this one kind of falls by the wayside. People forget about it. Not that Ryan forgot. It's just not really a really official live release. Right. I think it's because of what you said, that it was a video first. Right. So it's kind of like the soundtrack to the video, almost in a lot of people's minds. So where do you put it? Of the ones we've talked about? Uh, The ones we talked about? I don't know what to say. Unfortunately, I think I have to put it last in all the ones we talked about. Yeah, me too. 
even though it's fantastic. I think it's great, but I think you have to, right? Yeah. Because we've talked about so many great live albums. It's just not to take away from the performances at all. No, no. But just when the bar is so high. I might have a tough time putting All the World's a Stage before it. I do love All the World's a Stage, but just the sound quality of it. Right. Really pushes it down for me. But right. Anyway, so I have a set list, Jar, as I promised. Yes. This is the set list from September 21st, 1984, Maple Leaf Gardens, Toronto, Ontario. Right. We get the spirit of radio, which we heard. Now we've got songs that are not on this release, Jar. Subdivisions, followed by The Body Electric. Mm. Then we get Fear, The Enemy Within, The Weapon, and Witch Hunt. New World Man, which we heard. Now, the next two songs are not on the record, and it's sad that they're not. Between the Wheels, which I don't believe appears on a live CD. It may later, now that I think of it. Rush fans are going to come after me. Right. Red Barchetta and Distant Early Warning, which we've heard. Mm-hmm. Red Sector A, followed by Closer to the Heart, and Kid Gloves. Kid Gloves. Would love to hear that version of Kid Gloves, right? That'd be awesome, yeah. Followed by YYZ. 2112 Part 2, Temples of Syrinx, and Tom Sawyer finishes up the show. Yeah. And then we go to the encores, Red Lenses, another Red song. That's right. Followed by Neil's drum solo, which I would have loved to have heard. Mm-hmm. Vital Signs, and then the medley, Finding My Way, and In the Mood. Nice. Nice show. I would love to hear from Rush fans who were at this show. Right. Let us know what they thought. Yes, and send us pictures of those glasses. Somebody's going to send us a photo of the glasses. That's for sure. Absolutely. You can email us at therushcast at gmail.com. Twitter, we're at RushFanCast. Instagram, it's at therushcast. And Jer, hope you have a great quote for us to wrap this up nice. Of course I do. And ill will comes arising across the cities of the plain. There's no swimming in the heavy water. No singing in the acid rain. Red alert. Red alert. And Lex's baseline takes us out. Thanks, Jer. All right, see you later. <laughs>